Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, that's Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. That's your home. I'm always home. I'm on tour. Me too. You're doing great, dude. Telling true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is it my advice to you? I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires, a $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, GoBros. I am in the GoBro room today with Mr. Jamie Gruber from Ann Arbor, Michigan. What's up, Jamie? How you doing, Pat? I'm doing well. How's that everything going for you? Everything's great, man. Why don't, uh, Jamie, why don't you kind of, um, you know, start with like the day Jamie was born up until today in this three to five minutes. Kind of give me a little rundown on, on your life story. Absolutely. Uh, so the day I was born was October 1st, 1978. Don't remember it. That was in New York. So I was born and raised in Long, on Long Island. My family, um, my dad was a plumber. We worked for a plumbing firm uh, that ran all over the island, Queens, that kind of thing, and owned a hunting cabin up in the middle of the woods in upstate New York, where around the age of 12, he decided we're just going to move there. So we moved a little bit on Long Island, a couple different houses there, and then we ended up moving to this, this log cabin in the middle of nowhere. And I did that until probably the age of 16, 17, and we finally moved down into this, this little town that was next to, or, you know, next to the area where this, this, this hill where the... Uh, where the log cabin was on and, uh, and finished up my school there. After that, went to college, absolutely hated college. I actually did not finish while I was there. While I was in college, I managed a couple of restaurants uh, just to kind of, you know, do something other than, than college, any excuse to get out of it. From there, I actually took a position with an insurance company, large national insurance company uh, that a friend of mine was working for in claims. So I was a claims adjuster. I was 21 years old, good fit culturally. I seemed to like it. And, um, and that's been my career for the last 20 years. So I've been in claims for the last 20 years and I've kind of moved up through the ranks. And then, as I was saying to you before, in the, in the, in the pantheon of GoBundance, I'm, uh, I'm that W-2 guy, the guy we don't talk about. So I'm, <laughs> I'm still, still at my W-2, uh, working on, working on uh, a lot of things outside of that that we'll talk about. Um, but that's kind of the career path. Along the way, you know, grew up with two parents, two sisters, Good family life. I didn't have I didn't have a ton of uh, you know crazy stories or anything like that. We moved a lot. I think I went to five different schools, so we moved quite a bit while I was growing up. That forced me to to learn how to leverage my personality, uh, how to meet people, and I think that's what served me in getting a job that actually required a college degree. And I've been with that company for twenty years. You know, like the ability to go in and impress upon people 
uh, through the power of communication, you know, what your true values are and what you bring to the table. So that was uh, probably something I learned very, very young. Fast forward into my 20s, from a personal perspective, the, the, the blueprint of my family was you, need a, you get a job, you get a house, you meet a girl, you get married, you have kids. Like you do all that by 26, right? And that's, uh, I, was, <laughs> I, was, I was on that path uh, happily. I got the job, I bought the house. Um, this was 05, I bought the house, I had the girl, I was ready to get married. And three weeks before the wedding, one of the, one of the, the biggest jerk moves, but the smartest move I had ever done, I called off the wedding. Um, what the fuck? Yeah. Wow. How long were you guys going out? A couple of years, uh, three, three, three years, maybe something like that. Maybe more than that. Might've been four what? or five. It's... Like what? Like what? Like, did you have doubts from the beginning or, or like, yeah. or it was all of a sudden, you know? Yeah, no, I had, I apologize, your dog's barking back there, but I had doubts from the very beginning. I think I, uh, when I gave her the ring, I was thinking I probably shouldn't be doing this, but again, I was checking the boxes, right? There was a blueprint I was following and I wanted to make sure that I, I abided by my upbringing, if you will. <laughs> so check the boxes. It was the right thing to do. And um, as time went on, I remember we went to a wedding the month before, a cousin's wedding of mine. And at that wedding, I don't know, it, it just something happened there between she and I kind of blew up a little bit. And it was clear to me, like, I go, I'm a month out from my wedding. I can't, I can't follow through with this. It just, it was such a relief to be able to say to her, I, you know, I, I can't do it. We stayed together for a little bit after that. It was sort of like, I'll call off the wedding. We'll see what happens. And then it finally ended, but it was not a match, man. You know, very, very different people. And I, I saw her sometime later. Uh, and it was funny how, like, as much as I felt, and you know, you're young and you kind of are very, very much about you much as I felt held back in the relationship, seeing her years later and the, the, she just seemed like her shoulders were back a little bit. She seemed more confident. I didn't realize how much the relationship was holding her back. It just never occurred to me at that point um, that doing that, calling off that wedding, not only was the best thing I ever did for me, but it was the best thing that I ever did for her as well as, as maybe I'm justifying it, but that's, no, that's, that's what, great. You know, that's what occurs to me on it. So, so like, like, um, like, wow, like that, that's, uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess that probably happens to a lot of people, right? They do things that they think, you know, at the end of the day, I guess we are, you know, up until a certain age, we are brainwashed by our parents. And over time, you, as you meet other people and talk to other people, you begin to see things in a very different way, become more of your own person. I used to always say you're, you know, when you start off, you're half your mom and half your dad, and you have this other third of you that hasn't been actualized yet. And the older you get, the more it gets actualized until that piece becomes bigger and bigger than each each of the halves of your mom and dad, and even bigger than if it was a third, a third, and a third. So, anyways, it's interesting. So, so you called it off. That was it. That was uh, man. That was crazy. And you were what twenty six when that happened, or how something like that? Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, twenty six, twenty seven, something like that. Yeah. All right, and then what'd you do? So, uh, actually, I must have been closer to twenty eight or twenty nine. Now that I think about it, but after that, uh, you know, again, we stayed together for a little bit, and then I took a, a, a position in Boston and moved there uh, with my company. And that was a really good way to just sort of like not only we were you know we were already winding down, but just a way to geographically kind of separate and get away. And what's interesting, you mentioned about your, you know, your part of your parents until you kind of figure out who you are along those six, seven years we were together, whatever it was that, you know, uh, I got engaged and eventually, you know, called it off. I remember getting to frustration points of like, oh man, I, you know, 
this is ridiculous. Be, you know, I can't be in this relationship. You go out with your buddies, you have a couple drinks, you hear them bitching about their wives and everything. You're like, all right, well, I guess this is just normal. You feel better for three months. Like you're just living like everybody else until it flares up again. And I went through that roller coaster until a point where around that time, when I finally said, I'm moving to Boston, I'm done. It was like, man, if this is what it is to be married or be in a relationship, I don't want it. So that was like the first big step of me stepping away from probably my parents' conditioning and saying, hey, I don't need to be married. It doesn't have to happen. Like I felt it did up until that point because my entire family lineage has always done it by 24, 25 years old, had kids, all of that. So moved to Boston, gave up on the idea of being married. Uh, within two weeks after that, I met my wife. So that's where we are today. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So the second, it's funny. It's like the, the, the second you give up on something, you truly don't, don't want it, whatever it is. The second you are comfortable with not having something, I swear it appears. That's the biggest example of that for me, but yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that, uh, I, I do believe that. I do believe the universe kind of brings you more stuff. The, the more you open up to it, you know what I mean? Like, it's 100%. like, it's like I started getting deals like, all the time. I get more deals now than ever before sent to me. And I can remember a guy telling me, you know, and I, I remember, I can remember being out of the real estate sales game for a couple of years. And the guy said to me that was in it, how do you get all these deals? Like, how do you look at all these deals? Who's sending you these? How do you even know about all these? And I was like, well, I didn't see them when I was selling because I was so busy, you know, working. And I just never paid attention to it. My reticular activator was never open to it. And then as soon as I stopped and I started having more time to like actually look at my emails and click on buttons and things like that, investigate websites and all of a sudden it just opened up a world of possibilities that if I had been too busy, I just would have never seen them, you know, yeah. or never paid attention to them or never clicked on them. So I get it. anyway, so that's a, that's a good story. Now you got kids or what's going on now? Yeah. So my wife and I have two little boys, four and a half, one and a half. Nice. And uh, yeah, we live comfortably in our, in our nice little house in a cul-de-sac up here in Ann Arbor. And just to finish off my bio, about four years ago, I would say I reread Rich Dad. So I read it in my early 20s and it was interesting, but I reread it as a 37-ish year old person and thought, oh my God, man, I, you know, what did I do over the last 15 years? Like now I get it. Mm. And, uh, and from that point, you know, having my W-2 and not, you know, kind of maybe not being as uh, all gung-ho about that as I had been, I moved over into, into real estate investing, and I've been doing a little bit of that since then. Well, that's a good segue. So let's talk about your horizontal income. What, what, what percentage are you? I'm low right now, about 6.5%. And 6.5%. Okay. Yep. So what, is that? What, uh, what does that consist of? Uh, so I have 20 total units right now, about to close on 22 more, so it'll go up a little bit. That's the bulk of it, to be honest with you. That's it. If I, ta if I counted the tax return, the, you know, like the tax benefit I get, it goes up fairly significantly, but I'm just looking at monthly. So right now you have, 20, you have 22 units and you essentially don't make any money on them. Yeah, not making a ton. We're, we're, we're driving, uh, we're, well, we're making about 150 a door, I guess you could say. Uh, on the $150 a door? Correct. Profit? Pure profit. After everything. After reserving, after you name it. All right, so let's see, 150 times what, 22? 20 units. Let's say three grand, right? So yeah, I'm, um, I'm just saying, so you know, on 16 of those, I'm in a partnership. So two duplexes and a 16 unit, the 16 units split four ways. So you make about the 1,200, 1,400, yeah. 1,200, 1,200 bucks. Yep. 
18,000 a year or 15,000 a year. And what are your monthly expenses? Monthly expenses are around eight. 8,000. Yeah. So 1,500. Uh, you know what? I'm understanding. I, I've closed to probably to 9,000 in monthly expenses. Uh-huh. Well, you're more in there. So, so if I took uh, 1,400 a month divided by 9,000, that's a 15.5 percenter. I suppose. I was looking at it as my total gross, my total gross income divided by my horizontal income. So my, like my vertical versus my horizontal. Yeah, no, no, no. Your, your, your gross, your vertical income is irrelevant. It's just like... Covering expenses, I suppose. Yeah, like so if, if you make $9,000 a month, right, from your rentals, you're a hundred percenter. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. So, so you're at... 15.5% right now. Got it. So you got 84.5% more to build before you become a hundred percenter. Correct. The wrong tribe confounds the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller tribe of millionaires, a $20 value at tribe of free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribe of all right, so let's talk about uh, you know what you're investing in uh, multifamilies. That's that what, what I'm moving again? toward. Yeah, yep, yep. We've uh, we got one, and we're moving for more. Well, I got another one coming, and then more after that. Where is it? Where's the one you have? In Pinckney, Michigan. So about 20 minutes outside of Ann Arbor. And then your vertical job is with Progressive Insurance, right? Correct. And how, how many hours a week would you say you're, you're in that? Uh, Oof. You know, a minimum 40. I would say closer to 50 probably each week. Okay. And uh, all right, cool. And let's see, what else? Let's talk about your health. What do you, how do you work out? So I, uh, I love spinning. And it's funny, I have a, a bit of a following on Facebook right now because I, I usually am the only dude in spin class. It's, you know, 20 women and me. So the yeah. instructor, who's also a woman, usually speaks to the women so it's ladies this ladies that so it's kind of funny but i like going two three times a week to i don't know why that is either because because <laughs> it's, it's spinning is a balls out activity i mean it's it, great you sweat i mean i i do the, the same thing happens to me with yoga and i do i do hot yoga a lot and it, it's always 95 percent of girls under 25 years old in my yeah. class because I go to the hard ones, right? I don't go to the easy classes. I go to yep. the ones where, like, you're like exhausted, and they're dripping sweat, and they have to squeegee the floor afterwards. Yeah, no shit. That's so, why it's like a soul cycle yeah, place I go to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. Yep. So I'm like, uh, you know, ninety five percent are always like girls under twenty five. It's crazy, <laughs> you know. And I'm, but I don't care. And they always say girls and Pat. A couple times they're like, all right, ladies and Pat. Yeah, I got that once or twice, but usually it's like, ladies, how we feeling? Or it's just, I'm like, I guess I'm not here. But I do that two to three times a week, and then the other two to three times, I usually work out five to six days, I'll do some sort of weight exercise or core exercise or something like that. So I try to balance it, but I, I like how I feel with cardio, but understand the value, of course, of, uh, of pushing a little weight here and there. So. And, and how much do you weigh? I weigh 160. And um, uh, what's your body fat? Body fat's like 17%. 17%. What's your credit score? Credit score is just under 800, 780 something, something like that. Okay. So what, what do you say? What do you think, Jamie? What do you think drives you? 
a lot of things do. I think inherently now it's my family, my kids. Like, I, you know, I'm, that's kind of cliche, but it's amazing how, you know, our first kid provided such perspective for me on, on one, I don't know where the hell I spent my time before. Like, how, how was I busy before I had my first kid? But also just on what's truly, truly important. Like, you know, I used to watch football all day and that stopped. I'm like, I, you know, what's more fun, really? Like, I'd rather hang out with him right. at that point, right? So my kids, my family drives me. And then I think the other part of it is, as I've gone through this arc of personal development, I came in through M1. I started with that kind of, if you will, graduated into GoBundance. And then I've gone through and invested in me over the last few years. I, I think, you know, who I tell myself I am has completely changed. You know, I'm not the jerk, I think, you know, that I would tell myself I was at one point. I actually, I'm a pretty okay. cool guy. You know, like you, the, the you, self, mean you, told, self, you told yourself you, you told yourself you were a jerk. Wow, I'm just saying, you know, yeah, you say like, oh man, what are you doing? That was so stupid. You're an idiot. Why would you do that? You know, you're just sort of, I mean, just self-talk. You, the way you, know? you talk about self-talk, right? Yeah. You know, so the, the person I've become is pretty cool. And I'm seeing things uh, for the first time for me, as I take certain action, I'm seeing the result of that action. As I, as I give more, I'm seeing the return of that. Not and, that that's you, why I do it, but and, I can and, see And you this. think it's just like, the love that you get from your kids, the just natural love you get is a, is a sense of fulfillment so that, so that you just love yourself more. And, and therein lies the reason why you don't have this shitty self-talk anymore. Maybe it's just I, like a, like an indirect thing that just kind of happens. It manifests when you, when you love on your kids so much. I think it's related to having kids for me. I don't know if it's that. Maybe it is. But for me, it was more, you know, especially having two boys and being a guy myself, the example, when I knew, learned I was having a boy, the example I wanted to set for him, like I have a sister that I've had some issues with. And we, at the point that my son was about to be born, you know, it blew up. I, I said some things to her and everything like that. And, and I remember just thinking, feeling justified in that. But then when I learned I was having a son, I remember thinking, man, I don't want him. I want him to be bigger. I want him to think bigger. So for me, I called her and apologized. It's hard. It would hurt so bad because I, I still to this day feel like I was justified and right. But the right thing to do was to call her and apologize. I want because I wanted to model that version of a man for my son to become. So I think you know, you know what, even yeah, because you know that that shit runs in families. Like you know, you know, if you don't talk, and I don't. I don't mean to use as an example for this, but in my experience, what I've seen, if you don't talk to your parent, the chances of your kids someday like not talking to you is huge. You don't yeah. people don't realize that. They're like, oh, you're gonna be different with me. And then all of a sudden, like you don't talk to your sister and you hate your sister or whatever, and they know that. And then like, guess what happens? They're 32 and and 28, and they get into a fight about something. The next thing you know, you're the parents and you're like, Oh, our sons don't talk to each other. One lives in Texas and one lives in Paris and they, you know, and they don't talk. To, I mean, you know, I, I don't mean to scare you, but you manifest that stuff by, no, you're, by leading by example. My, my mother and her brother don't talk. My father and some of his siblings don't talk, to your point. My sisters and I, you know, we struggled with, the, with our relationship. My sisters themselves, you're, you're defining exactly what happens in my family tree. So for me to try to stop that was important. And again, it's not like it's like, ah, we're all happy and fun now. I don't want to paint that picture. I mean, there's a lot of deep-seated stuff there. But 
to the question about like, was it loving on my kids? Is that why I, I improved, you know, the self-talk to me? I, I think it's more that, you know, I want to set the right example for my kids. Like, you know, I yeah, do affirmations right. with my kids. I do all that stuff now to build them up at this age versus. And, and, and most of the stuff that, that siblings fight over is like, does it really matter? Right. Like, does it really, re- I mean, yeah, everybody's different. And if you were like a, uh, a yogi or some sort of monk or something, or just maybe a person that smokes a lot of weed, <laughs> would, would you really care so much about what your sister did or what, or would you just be like, it's all right, man. You know what I mean? And, yep. and so you almost have to put yourself in that state. Like, eh, what are you going to do? You yeah. know, let's, I don't, you know, live one, uh, I don't, I don't want to set that example. Let's let bygones be bygones. I don't know, but I, I, you're spot on it. Like, so I don't know if you're gonna ask life happiness, my life happiness, I have it as an eight, but I mean, honestly, I, you know, I, I, I look at it so much more binarily today than I did three, four years ago. And it's like, I'm, I'm alive. I'm happy. I'm healthy. My kids are, my wife mm-hmm. is, you know, like I, I, I got a warm home. I, you know, I'm happy. Like I, you know, call me a 10, you know, like the, I don't, to your point, like let bygones be bygones. The little things that would drag you down and make you feel like you're not happy are irrelevant. So yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that point. Yeah. So, um, all right, cool. So let's talk about how do you give back? I'm sorry. One more time. How do I? How, yeah. Like a charity, like, uh, what's oh. you know, your give back ratio is? Yeah. I, I, count, I think it was a point two. No, no, no. I'm sorry. No, no. So let's, yeah. So where am I? Uh, I did it somewhere. 6.5% maybe. So 15 K on about two fifty a year was my, my okay. ratio. So the, it's a combination of time and money, but mostly money, but we, so there's a charity here called to Detroit with love adopting families at Thanksgiving, Christmas. We do that, you know, last year, I remember we got the wish list for uh, this family's uh, Christmas and it was a bunch of stuff. I don't know, a thousand more dollars. And it was like, well, what should we get? I'm like, what, what, wouldn't it be cool to just get it all? Like, let's just bring it all. Like, so we did. We bought the whole list, bicycles, you name it, brought it all to this family in Detroit. And, uh, and that was a cool experience. And then on top yeah. of that, I stopped on the way and we picked up like gift cards for uh, groceries, gift cards for a movie theater for the, for the parents to go on a date, like just flooded them. Like, why not? Right. So we do that. My wife and I like to donate to what we like call the innocents. So children and, and animals, like that's kind of our, our, our yeah. passion, if you will. So Me that's too. where we spend most of our time and money. I love that, you know, and, and you know, 6.5 is a good number, actually, you know, most, most people, not even 1%, you know, and there's a lot of GoBros that make, you know, a million dollars a year, and they donate 20 grand or 10 grand, and they think that's a big number, but 10 grand on a million is, is a 1%. Right. So it's like, yeah. So six, five is a good number, you know, because I see all the numbers. So six, five is, I commend you on that. Oh, um, thank you. I thought it was low. Oh, <laughs> well, keep going, but still, you know, 15 grand is no joke. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, all right. What is, um, uh, what would you say, uh, your superpower is? My superpower is, I think, uh, uh, generally speaking, just like connecting. I'm a, I'm a great connector. I'm a very good networker, if you will. I leverage, I meet a lot of people and then I love bringing those people together to do things. So I've, I've had many examples of, uh, of where I've been able to you know, introduce somebody to somebody else and they do things together that benefit both of them. So I think my superpower is just the ability to communicate effectively, the ability to network effectively, and the ability to utilize those, those powers for good, if you will, to help people. So that's me. Nice. I like that one. What, what would you say your kryptonite is? Uh, shiny object syndrome. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm a yellow or an eye on the disc profile, man. I'm, I'm, I'm all about fun and personality, but uh, when it comes to like, and I'm learning this, you know, again, being a W2 guy and moving toward entrepreneurship with some of the stuff like building systems and all of that, like that takes effort for me. That takes full concentration for me. And it's like, well, what if I did this instead? And I'll fill the room with ideas, but just sitting down and, and, you know, knocking it out is, uh, is the tough part for me, probably focus. That's the, that's the curse of all, of all, of all entrepreneurial personalities is that going from uh, what Gary Keller calls entrepreneurial to purposeful, right? Like, yeah, it's two different things. Like entrepreneurial is like creative ideas. Let's do this. Let's add this. Let's do this. Purposeful is okay. Well, what am I going to do today that, that, that makes money or what do we need to do as a company that's going to make more money? You know, it's a great point. That's so, a great point. Uh, it's so true. Keep and I'm driving learning. at home, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm learning that for sure. Even just bringing people into that, right? Partnering up with people who have complementary skill sets or hiring a VA that can take care of some of the little things that bog me down, that sort of stuff. I'm yeah, right. All about. Awesome, dude. All right, Jamie, uh, let's talk about uh, your greatest hits. So, you know, you're, what are you, 38? What'd you say? 41, 41. 41, 41 years old. You know, in the last 41 years, Let's pretend you're a musician and you put out an album every single year for 41 years. And five of those albums had hits on them that were, would be in your greatest hits album. What five moments in your life would you say were most poignant, were like the greatest point? And I'm going to ask you not to use a cliche like, you know, got married, each kid, or you could say married, or you could say like, uh, you know, if the wedding day was like spectacular, a lot of people might say the day I first saw my wife from afar and I knew, you know, or some the day you bumped into my No, that's fair. Fully. I get it. But go ahead. Well, give me five. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So I'll give you the first one will be, will be, and these are just moments I remember. So uh, yep. uh, with my wife, my, our actual wedding day, we did it in the Dominican Republic. She's from there. She immigrated when she was a kid, but um, we did it at a resort. And I remember when she came out from behind the wall to walk Why would down that the- matter? What's that? I'm just teasing. The resort? Oh, yeah. No, no. She immigrated when she was a kid. Oh, oh. Anyway, you know, because I think some people are like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, 90 Day Fiance. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. I love that you caught yeah. that because not everybody does. Not everybody yeah. does, but I love that you caught that. But no, yes, exactly why I said it. <laughs> but the moment she walked out from like behind the wall or whatever at the at the resort where she was coming out to to come down the aisle. I remember being just my breath being, I mean, literally being taken away. And it was like, wow. Yes. Mm. I mean, I, that whatever nerves you have on a wet, just gone. This is like, this mm. is exactly where I need to be. So I remember that moment. That's the greatest hit moment for me. A second, I'm going to flash forward a best friend of mine and I, uh, that grew up together. Um, uh, he lives now out in Napa, Sonoma Valley area or whatever, but now he moved a while ago, but we talked two, three times a week still. Like we're, you know, we've stayed best, best friends for almost you know, 25 years or 30 years, whatever the heck it is. And um, when he got married a few years ago, uh, he asked me to be the best man uh, at his wedding. And I did. And I remember it was at this beautiful vineyard standing up there. I had this, I had this great speech, man, 30 years worth of stuff to kind of go into. And I just sort of looked out at where we were and like everything flashed to me, like where we came from. I remember sitting in a Dodge Spirit in like 1995 with him talking about these dreams of maybe we can get a BMW one. It just so small, you know, like these little stupid yeah. material things. And now here we are at a vineyard and he's marrying this beautiful woman. I'm married. Of the, no, no kid at that point. 
I'm married to a woman, a woman of my dreams, and this where we were, and I was about to give this speech, and I just, I, <laughs> I broke down like a four-year-old and started crying. It was unbelievable, but uh, I don't think it's awesome, though. Thankfully, yeah, that's right. Awesome, so, that's awesome, yeah. That was huge. That was, uh, that was moment number two. Moment number three was probably at the very beginning of me starting to turn that, that inner voice, like I said, and say to myself, hey, you know what, you're, you're, you're an accomplished guy, you're a driven guy, go do shit. I love live stand-up comedy. Some people like live music. I love live stand-up and always wanted to just give it a shot, which is tough. One new year, I said, I'm doing it this year. That was my resolution, and, uh, and so I did. And I remember the first time I stepped on stage, I had a five-minute set. I did the first two and a half minutes were good. The second two and a half minutes were bad. Um, I did it a few more times after that. You know, it was more fun. It's not something I want to make a career out of or anything, but, but doing that and accomplishing that for me was huge. Like I, I had such a blast doing it, and um, I can look back now at 80 and not wonder, like, man, yeah. What if I did that? You know, I know exactly what it is that I did that. That's awesome. That's, That's a good one. Cause you know, I like to think that I'm funny, even though I'm not, I'm, you know, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I always think about that. Like, uh, that's gotta be like such a hard thing, right? Cause you don't know if people yeah. are going to laugh. I mean, it, right. you could have funny jokes too. And they just, just don't get responded. You just, you okay. learn what that you could be funny like this interaction, but to go up there and like sell a bit, completely different kind of fun. Yeah. It's a yeah. science, you know? Yeah. Interesting. So, it was interesting. Right, cool. yeah, I, I had fun with that. That's three. I would say four, and I might be a little bit like kind of out of order here, but I'll say four was the point at which I joined uh, M1, which led me to go abundance. Mm. Um, at that point in life, I had moved here to Michigan. Uh, I'd taken my, my dream job or so I thought at the time. And it was the absolute worst year of my life. You know, my job was to come in and take over a, a very poor performing organization. There's a lot of blood in the streets when you do that, right? You have to cut people, fire people, demote people, you know, put, pe- put processes, systems, and people back in place to rebuild this thing. And my boss at the time was under tremendous pressure for that to get done fast, and it couldn't be. So it created a lot of friction, a lot of tension. You know, I, I wasn't sleeping. It was, te- you know, I just, I felt like, man, you know what? I need, I need more than this in my life. Like I can't be defined by this, this singular job. Like I love what I do. I enjoy it, but I can't be all I am. Um, and that's kind of what brought me to this personal development path. And I found, you know, rock and M1 and that community. And, and that was uh, that was a big accelerant for me not to go through every little bit of that, but just, just kind of to, to, to be in a, around people who have such, such a drive for life, you to be able to be vulnerable with people. Like you can't be with others in your life. That was a seminal moment for me. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. People that want to improve themselves on a high level, right? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. The fifth thing, and it's not like a moment, but more like a moment now in time. My wife and I, when we lived out in Boston, uh, we decided for a year, we're going to move downtown, you know, to a high rise building, doorman, you know, restaurants like Del Frisco's, these really high end restaurants, like right in the building. And man, we lived it up. We had such a blast living in downtown Boston. And it was for me, I realized I'm an urbanite by, by, by nature that's that that is heaven to me like that's our ultimate goal we want to get back there and buy ourselves you know a a condo uh in downtown boston a three-bedroom condo in downtown boston that's our favorite place to be it's home for us and um that year as a moment if you will in time looking back on it that we lived down there it just it gave us a taste of like that that thing that we can now visualize you know so we we know what it is because we tasted it and now we can see ourselves kind of doing that even on a better bigger and better scale so yeah, I could see that. I could see you. Like, I, you know, I go back and forth from uh, South Carolina to Maryland, and uh, 
yeah, same thing. I could see you in a condo in Boston and then someplace warmer, you know, in the winter. That's only, yeah, only, yeah, yeah. Only downside to the East Coast is the, yep, agreed. the snow and all that. But, uh, okay, cool. What about future greatest hits? What do you, where, where do you want to, what do you want to happen before you die? What are five things you want to see before you die? Or do so I have them here yeah. on my one sheet, kind of my bucket list. So my my wife and I are going to do a month in Europe. Maybe that's small. Maybe it needs to be bigger. But at a certain point that the kids are at a certain age, I want she wants to go back. She lived in Italy for a while. Well, we want to go back and do Europe for at least a month. So that's one. A second is I want to appear, and I don't, I don't care how, I want to appear in a major motion picture. I want to, like, I don't care if I'm sitting at the bar and it's just the, the, the camera goes by me. I just want to appear in a major motion picture. So that's a good That's funny because mine, I have this thing in our, in our, in our house at the beach. It says, uh, it's, a, it's an entire wall and it says, before I die, I will. And mine, which is the first one written on there, says, I will have a speaking part in a major motion picture or television show. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Why not? So that's mine. Yeah, that's two. So we're on the same page with that. Three I have here is I I like so I I run a networking group within within my my area. It's building. We're, we're you know we've got kind of a national membership now with it, which is pretty cool. Uh, and I really really enjoy getting up in front of people and speaking. So I'd like to at some point in my life speak in front of five thousand people live. I don't know exactly what about yet, but just I want to feel that and see that. What would that be like to to speak in front of five thousand people? So. That's a bucket list. I like it. I like it. I have down here, and again, you know, my, my ultimate lifestyle goal is to get to a place where my kids, myself, my wife can travel two to three months a year to someplace. So our job, our life, our whatever is flexible enough to be able to go, hey, you know what, let's go to the Dominican for two months and spend time with my, my wife's family and my kids can learn Spanish or go to another culture just to give them that experience every year until they're you know, we got what 18 summers less now, right? So until they're right. until they're gone out of the house, that's a bucket list adventure I want to experience for a period of time. Nice. Yeah. Then the last one, I'm a big Buffalo Bills fan. So kind of a glutton for punishment, although this year, go Bills. <laughs> um, so I want to watch a game from the sideline. That's a goal of mine. I want to sit oh, cool. right on the sideline and watch a game of the Bills with my two boys. So that's a good one. Yeah. You can make that one happen. I think so. There's got to be connections out there. I can figure that out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, from the sidelines. Yeah, I'm sure you put it out there, you know, just like you said with the universe, it'll eventually come back to you. You got it. You know, you yeah, it. awesome. Those are awesome. I love them. Cool. Well, let's, um, let's wrap this up, Jamie, by doing um, a question from the GoBundance phone app. So I am going to pull it up. We're <laughs> going to take a spin of the GoBundance card game. Yeah. All right. Share a story about a time when you and your family, and it could be you and your wife since your family's pretty young, grabbed life big. Oh, boy. I'll, I'll go with me and my wife. And we, we used to, I mean, we, I'll share a story about driving down. Well, here's what I'll share. This would happen with some frequency prior to having kids, especially. You know, done with work, four, five, six o'clock on a Friday we would make the, make the decision often at that moment, like, hey, what are we doing this weekend? Nothing. Let's just go to Vegas. So we'd hop a flight mm. two, three hours later, go to Vegas for two, three days. And yeah, I mean, those weekends were incredible. Like we're not gamblers. Actually, we don't gamble really anything, but you know, we'd, we'd get the $250 steak dinners uh, each kind of thing. Like not just 200 total, but $250 six ounce steak that I wanted to try <laughs> because why the hell not, right? 
Um, right, we rent yeah, cabanas yeah. at the pool, you know, get cabanas at the pool, stay in a beautiful hotel uh, somewhere maybe on like a, like the MGM uh, Signature Hotel, which is behind the MGM Grand. So really nice kind of exclusive place. Yeah, and just really do Vegas well. Like we'd get table service at a club, you know, the whole nine. We would just, we'd spend a little money on, the, on those weekends, but uh, those were fun. Yeah, baller, those were like, I'm sorry? You know what I, yeah, that, like a baller weekend. I always yeah. thought about putting together like for abundance, actually, like a, call it a baller day or something or a, a $10,000 day. Yeah. And it would include like getting like limousines and like bodyguards, even though you don't need bodyguards, but just to look like you need bodyguards. You might. Your, yeah. your, fame, your level of fame. Yeah. They'll it. think both of us are like Moby and uh, Eminem or something, right? That's true. I gotta get a angry. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, um, but yeah, and then, um, and then go to a boxing match and like sit in the front oh, that'd be cool. and like spend like a couple grand on like a bet on the match. So it's that much more intense. And then, like, you know, doing that dumb stuff where you, like, rent a tank and drive it over a house or drive it through a barn or <laughs> drive it over a car or whatever. You know, stuff like that where you're just spending money off. Yeah. In a 24-hour period, then it'd be over. You spend Absolutely. 20 grand or something. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, cool. Well, Jamie, this has been a blast, buddy. I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, being real candid with us. And I look forward to meeting you face-to-face in the near future. Absolutely. It was more more about meeting you on this than it was doing the podcast. So truly ah. humbled by it. I appreciate it, truly. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, bitch. Now you